0: Psalm 98, if you want to turn there. A couple announcements. uh, Tonight uh, at 7 o'clock, we have our prayer time. You're welcome to join us for that. We come in the sanctuary and just lift up the Lord for about an hour. So from 7 to 8, we'll be praying. Join us for that. Um, Let's see. We're going to be having a meeting next week uh, on, um, let's see, it's the... I don't know how to describe it yet because we haven't titled it yet, but we're trying to start a new ministry. uh, We're thinking about it anyway, and we just like some people that are are like-minded and thought, well, that might be a neat thing I could do or be a part of, and um, that's where I can get plugged in. Um, There's a journey to Judea down in um, Kansas City area. And uh, what it is, is you walk through stations during Christmas time, and it kind of leads you to the cross and the resurrection, all that, and the birth of Christ. We want to do something similar here with all this land um, that would be more geared towards Easter. So um, we're at the very beginning stages of thinking about doing that. And uh, if you're interested, that'll be after second service next week. You can come and join us for that. not going to make you commit or anything. Just listen and say, yeah, you know, that's something I'd like to do. I can help with the construction, or I can be one of the people that dresses up and walks people through. I mean, it can get kind of, there's some acting involved and things like that. And I just thought that might be a neat thing for you to check out. So that'll be next week um, after second service. Today, after second service, we have our potluck. If you didn't know or remembered, uh, we try to remind you as often as possible, but that's uh, today also. So join us for that. All right. Psalm 98. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we get to spend in it together and the songs we've already sung to you. um, We've already sung psalms. We've already given you praise and worship. And as we study these songs that these old saints wrote, help us to receive everything that they intended for us to get from these, that your Holy Spirit intended for us to learn and uh, that we might grow today a little bit. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll try to do three. We'll see how far we get. 98, 99, and 100. Um, These psalms are still part of the uh, millennial reign of Christ, kind of foreshadowing what that would be like, what we would be singing to Him. Um, during that reign of Jesus, and we talked about that last week a little bit. If you don't know what the millennial reign is, you can go to Revelation 20 and kind of pick up on some of that. We don't have a lot of information about it, but these would be one of the songs where Jesus rules and reigns on earth, and uh, we rule and reign with him for a time, for a thousand years, and and so on. So that's one of these psalms. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things, his right hand and his holy arm have gained him victory or gained him the victory the lord has made known his salvation his righteousness has revealed his, has he has revealed in the sight of the nations he has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of israel all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of the, of the of our god and so we get the idea here that this has already taken place that jesus has appeared and showed up and and all and, um but a lot of things are covered in this. Uh, the new song. God always wants us to have a new song for him. And, and that comes from experiencing the Lord that week or that month or that year. And you have a new song from that season in your life with Jesus. It's not something, um, it's never meant, we talked a little bit about this last week, it's never meant to bring God closer to you. Maybe if I sing louder, God will, you know, listen to me more. It's, it's, it's meant to respond to what God's done for you already. And, uh, well, it's, it's a bellwether for you. If you find yourself not having new songs in your heart, there's just a question you have to ask. Why is that? Why am I not experiencing God in my life? Is it because he's left me and forsaken me? And I know that's not true. Or is, or is there something missing? You know, if I not have my quiet time, am I not looking for him? Am I not active in my walk with him and, and all? Um, and we go through seasons like that. There are dry times when you're maybe a little more self-centered, self-focused. And uh, you're not looking for the ministry opportunities that God has for you. And, um, and um, well, sometimes you, you miss those opportunities and you don't have new songs of joy. Um, you have songs of comfort, maybe. Maybe you'll have a song and that's a song. A time where God reached down and touched you because, you know, of a loss or a difficulty that you've gone through. Maybe God's done that for you and you have a new song there. But he still wants you to sing that song. Not all the Psalms are happy and joyful. A lot of them are pretty rough. Just people singing about tough times, but always giving God thanks and and glory for what he's done for for them. Um, Anyway, the psalmist says, let's have a new song to the Lord. The writer here obviously has a new song. He's had a wonderful experience with God and he writes this song and he's excited about the salvation of God. Very simple. I'm excited that it's been revealed. It seems like everywhere I go, people are talking about the salvation of God. They're looking for the Messiah back in this day, maybe. Everyone I talk to in synagogue or everybody that I pass in the street or at my work, because a lot of the rabbis had their own jobs outside of their teaching profession. But everybody's looking for the salvation of the Lord. They remember his faithfulness. It seems to be a good time in Israel when he writes this song. God is always faithful to us. He's always... Israel goes through those ups and downs. We've read them, you know. Where's God? You know, I I don't see him anymore in my life. I don't see him in our, in our nation anymore. What's he done for us lately kind of thing. And those are bad times. Um, But these are good times. This is a time when he's seeing uh, everybody around him giving praise to God and remembering what he's done. He's faithful. You know, I always enjoy that when I hear people talking about God's faithfulness. I like potlucks. I like hanging out and talking about the chiefs next week or whatever, or or, little things like that. but I, prefer when someone comes up and says, you know what God did the other day? I like those stories. I like to hear the praises of God on their lips. It's encouraging to me, you know. Um, this, the weather's going to be what it is, you know. If you if you do the statistics on weather, it's going to be a little bit warmer, a little bit cooler than yesterday. That's a joke. <laughs> it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't drastic is going to happen. It's going to be at about a degree or two warmer or a degree or two. Now, Missouri, it's a little different. I mean, sometimes you have some 50 degree swings and maybe that is something to talk about, but it's it's so pedestrian. It's so boring. You know, I think it's going to rain. Yeah. It will or it won't. 50% chance means they took a big circle on the map and said half of you might get rain, half of you might not. And none of us know what's going to happen that day. And we're all surprised, you know. When we talk about the Lord, though, it's specific. Something that touches the heart. It's real. The weather's going to be what it is. But a spiritual walk with Jesus and a change in spiritual temperature in your life, you know, that's exciting to talk about, you know. And so the writer here is excited for the Lord. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, behold... He is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So whether he is speaking prophetically about this time when Jesus does come back and everybody sees him or whether they're literally seeing him, not literally, figuratively seeing them him in their lives makes no difference. But there is a time when every tongue will know, every tongue will confess, every eye is going to see Jesus. And if you're for him and waiting for him, excited for his coming, you'll be rejoicing. If you didn't think he was real and you didn't want to follow after him, that's going to be a time of mourning. It's like, I, I see that it's true now. It's a, a tough time for those, for those folks. Um, that's what I spend most of my time doing in my life, is trying to convince people that he's, he's real and here. And I, I can't do that for them. I can tell them my stories. I can tell them what God's done for me. But as far as they're concerned, they need to seek Him. They need to have their own stories. They can't live off mine. You know. They've got to have their own uh, times with Him. And so the psalmist here writes that song. Verse 4, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Bring forth, break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of the psalms, and the trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. So the writer here goes through a few of the instruments that we can use, you know, and uh, there are different kinds of people in this world that I've, you know, not personality types, but they kind of are. I don't want to pigeonhole people, but sometimes it does fit. There's, There's some people that are just very literal, you know, they don't get the joke. They don't understand the humor, you know, or whatever about it, or they can't go beyond what was, what, what's, what's, what was implied, you know, um for example, in Christianity, sometimes it's like, okay, we got harps, and we got trumpets. Write that down. That's what we praise the Lord with, you know. And if they find something else, fine, we'll write that down too. They can't get the point that God's saying, with whatever you have, worship the Lord, you know, but I don't have a trumpet or a harp. It's okay. You know, you can use your voice. You could clap your hands. You could whistle even. I'm pretty sure God would accept that. Um, You can go beyond those things a little bit. I don't know about drums or not. You know, that might be of the devil. It's not. It's okay. (laughs) You can praise God with about everything that you have. And, and, um, And the writer here is trying to show that, you know, you praise him with, do something with that harp over there. Do something with that trumpet. Whatever you do though, shout joyfully. So what's the, what's the volume level that's supposed to be for worship? Is it whispering? Is it quiet? Is it meditative? Is it contemplative? Or is it hooping and hollering and yelling at the top of your lungs? Well, I think they're all appropriate at different times, you know? I don't think I go to a funeral and do the hooting and hollering part, um, but there is a time to sing a song. You know, Thanksgiving that God has received a brother or sister into His arms. That's a that's a time to sing praises to Him. Thank you, God, for the salvation You've given. This brother It's no longer here, but with You. Um, on the other hand, there's times when we can shout and as yell as much as we would as a, at a football game. You know, and and those are those are times for that. And the writer here just kind of covers it all there. Let's let's sing to the Lord. I remember. Uh, I've gone through a lot of seasons with my walk with the Lord, not seasons or just maybe different se- scenes. I, I don't want to call it a play, but it feels like that to me now that I look back over my life with the Lord. And I've run into different people who had authority over me spiritually, in a sense, you know, they were my teachers. I let them, I, I chose them to be my teachers and guides and funny things. Um, There's a bookstore, a Christian bookstore in Parables, called Parables. I don't know if it's still there or not. It probably is on 114th and Dodge. And uh, and I went in there and I it, it, it's exciting to me you know new believer and you see in Christian art for the first time and things like oh that'd be cool hang that in my house. you know you want to buy everything and kind of kind of you know <laughs> overdo it you know or whatever and I saw this this picture of a, a lamb and a, and a lion and and uh, and of course I I thought oh you know one day the and I was walking with this guy right. And we're looking around. And I said, Well, you know, yeah, oh, that's cool. Now it was referring to Jesus being the lion and the lamb. I misunderstood it, new believer. I didn't know right I was doing. And so what? I said, Someday the lion's gonna lay down with the lamb. Now, that's not true. Oh, okay. Well, I thought in the Bible it said somewhere that the lion and the lamb are gonna lie. That's not true. It's not true. Here's the scripture, and he quoted the scripture: the wolf also shall lie down with the lamb. It's a wolf and a lamb. And and the leopard's going to lie down with the young goat and the calf and the long and the young lion. Nowhere in the Bible does it say. And I was rebuked. <laughs> I was like, all right. Well, I guess all these other animals are going to lay down together. But you will never, ever, ever see a lion and a lamb lying down together because that's not scriptural. I'm like, that's a little literal, dude. The idea is lions aren't going to be eating little tiny, eat, you know, prey anymore. That's the point, you know, and and. I'm going to find that in the millennial reign. I'm going to bring the lion and the lamb to the sky and say, look, they're lying down together. I am going what you deal with that. It's okay. The idea is, did you miss the point? There's peace. <laughs> you missed peace <laughs> for the literal. And, it's, and, and I'm all for God's word, and I want to stay true to it, and I want to quote it correctly. But I don't want to be that. Uh that at all. I think about my little nativity scene that I had at my house. Not the same guy, mind you. And my nativity scene had a drummer boy. Oh. You know, the drummer drummer boy's not in the Bible. No. No, he's not. But could he be? Could a drummer boy play for Jesus? Could he give him all that he had? Isn't kind of that the point that he brought what he had? I'm poor. I don't have a lot. All I have is my drum. Can I play my drum for you? That's why I like that song. Not because it's accurate and biblical. I know he's not in the Bible, but so what? Can can a drummer boy come play drums for Jesus? I think so. Might wake him up. Mary might get upset. I don't know how that went down, but it's okay. We got to... We got to be a little okay here. At one point, it says that. Uh, um, well, that's it. Well, I'll stop beating up the poor little people. But um, we've got to. You got to get the. You got to get the heart of the of what God's saying. And I'm not saying that we can build doctrine off of our hearts. We really want to stay within the bounds of Scripture, of course. But. But but the bounds of Scripture are trying to teach us peace. They're trying to teach us joy in our singing. They're trying to um, he's trying to bring out in us. You know, uh, if 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 everything that was written that Jesus said, there wouldn't be enough volumes of books to contain it all. That's what the Bible says. So you know, there's a lot going on here. There are themes and ideas that we need to stay true to. All right, verse seven. Let the sea roar and all its fullness, the world, and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. With the righteousness, he shall judge the world, uh, or with righteousness, he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. We're going to hear that a couple times, equity, which is a kind of a buzzword in 2023 and so on, isn't it? Equity. We want equity. Well, we'll talk about equity. I'm not sure it's what they want, but we're going to get it. Um, The river's clapping their hands. That's disconcerting, isn't it? What's the idea there. They're roaring, you know. Even when he describes his voice, he says it's the voice of many waters. Is it the voice of many waters, or is it as loud as and roaring and thunderous? And and do the stones cry out already? Is everything around us, all creation, a witness to him? And is all using their voice with what they have when the wind blows and we see the trees move? Are they clapping their hands, like it says in Isaiah fifty-five twelve? The trees shall clap their hands. No, well, they don't have hands. We're not that ignorant. But are they doing what they do and bringing glory to God with what they have and how God made them? That's the idea. And so the rivers do that. The hills are joyful. I love hills. I love, we just drove up to Omaha to visit my dad and and uh, we, we go through the lost hills and and I, and I like those. I like looking at those. Um, they're rolling and green, you know, they're pleasant and it does bring joy to you. Now, maybe not the road, you know, if you're a car sick person, that's not very fun, but um, it does bring joy. And so they're all doing what they're supposed to do, and, and, and we're called to do the same thing. The psalmist just wants us to join in with what's already taking place. Psalm 99, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. That's a switch. It's only troublesome and, and make you tremble if you, if you don't want that. If that's not an encouragement to you, For those that hate injustice, for those who wish things were righted and everything is the way it's supposed to be, as it is in heaven, which is our prayer, um, then a reign of Jesus Christ on earth is a pleasant time for us. It's only unpleasant for those that don't want to have him be over them. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion And he is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king's strength also loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. I've been studying and reading up on the difference between equality, equity, and justice. And uh, trying to get my handle on... Um, the left's view of that and what they're trying to get across and I I think I understand it but um, they'll say I don't because I'm going to put it in a bad light Um, but I think I've got their thing I just haven't thought it all the way through completely and and when you follow it to its logical conclusion it doesn't it doesn't work um it, nevertheless, um, m- most people are ascribing equity today as we want the world to be a cruise ship where everybody has equal access to the buffet basically is the idea, everybody will be joyful and all that and that 's their vision and hope a utopia, a nirvana, some sort of you know um, heaven on earth kind of thing um, which has been tried several times, and the cruise ship quickly turns into a pirate ship. <laughs> not long after. And uh, there are those that can only work and will only work for the equity of all, um, provided there's a sword in their back, um, and you, or you have to walk the plank, you know, kind of thing. And so force is necessary. That's, that's not what he's talking about, and that's not God's equity. He says this life's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. God promises us that, he actually tells that to the Christians, especially if you're going to live for me, like me, you will suffer persecution. Now, that's not equality. That's not equity and that's not justice. But that's what's going to happen for us. And you need to understand that and accept that because he said so. And that's OK, because eventually when he rules and reigns, when the Lord, and that's when equity takes place. That's when justice takes place, the the, the perfect Uh, combination of equality and equity happens in justice. And that'll happen when he rules and reigns on this earth. Everybody's going to be held accountable for what they know. They're all going to be held accountable for what they had and what they did with what they had. We have that over and over again, the parable and parable after parable of some people got one talent, some people got 10, some people got more, some people got less. It had nothing to do with the amount that they had. It was what they did with what they had the very important if i had a million dollars i would tithe to the lord really you would drop a 100,000 dollar check that's a tithe that's a tenth what are you doing with a 10 dollar bill in your pocket have you given that dollar because that's 10% also the idea is not how much or how little it's amount. it's the amount it's about what you did with what god gave you um, they showed a picture trying to explain this on this site that was trying to explain it to me, and they didn't do a good job because I just keep just punching holes through all their, th- it just didn't make sense. But they showed the picture of an apple tree that was leaning and lopsided with tons of apples on this side and a few apples on this side. And they had two ladders, and they had two people, and they were both equal—the same height. Of the ladder, this height of the ladder, couldn't reach all the few apples on this side, and this ladder could reach all the apples it wanted. So the idea was, we need to give this guy a taller ladder so he can reach the few that are over there, and better yet, prop the tree up and move it over so that they all had equal access with the same height ladder. And the the point that they were missing, in my opinion, was you can move the ladder. You got a short ladder and they've got a short ladder, and they're over there, and you're over here, and what you're mad at is that I can't get what I want. There's no barrier there. You just have to take the ladder over to this side where he is, and go get the fruit, and, and so on. They take, and what I mean is, they take some variables and put them into play, but they'd have no idea how many variables there are how deep it goes, and how that variable change for this person changes the whole thing, the whole picture changes then, and so on and so on. God's saying, I understand that this world has fallen. In a perfect world, pre-eating the fruit in the garden that I told you not to get the ladder and eat, by the way, you wouldn't have had to worry about any of this. Everybody could walk around naked for one thing, uh, no body shaming, we're all there looking at each other, and you can go eat whatever you want to eat. It's just there for you. Just go get it. Now, you do have to go get it. No one's going to get it for you. But you can just go eat it. But if you do the one thing I tell you not to do, then that's all going to change, and the whole system falls apart. And that's human nature. And that's what the equity folks nowadays don't understand, that people aren't essentially good at heart and given the opportunity do the right thing every time. It's biblical Christianity that has the accurate view of a sinful nature at heart that needs a desperate salvation from outside the person to come in and change them from the inside out to give them a new heart. Because the heart that I currently have as an unbeliever is one that looks for opportunity for self gain and self, um, you know, exaltation. It's just built into us. You will be like God if you eat this fruit. And so, our our core is different. And that's where the worldviews fall apart and separate right away. Humanist is people are essentially good. Christianity realizes, no, we need help from outside. And God knew that. So God sent his son, Jesus, external help, external salvation to come and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Okay, you get the idea. God's equity in the, great, in the, in the millennial reign is going to be amazing. Um, we'll be so surprised at how this all goes down. Let's read uh, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 48. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. God tells us ahead of time exactly what's going to be required. Are you totally blessed with your health? You know? Yeah, yeah, I've got great health. What are you doing with your great health? Well, I sat around and ate potato chips and tried to make it unhealthy the best I could, you know. Oh, I see, you know. And what did you do with your sickness and your thing? Well, I did my best. I did more than I ever thought I could. I I stumbled and I crawled and I climbed and I tried and I did. Well done, you know. Is the idea God sees that He sees the uh, starting off with little resources versus much resources, and He looks and sees what did you do with what you had? Though That's the idea. That's the idea. Now, we're going to be required a lot. A lot of us is going to. A lot of us will have more required of us than we probably imagine. Now, verse six: Moses and Aaron were among His priests. So He's going to go into some examples of things. And Samuel was among those who called upon. His name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in the cloud or in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinances he gave them. Okay, so we've got some examples here Aaron, uh, we've got Samuel, we've got Moses. These are some guys that were given some great responsibility. Okay, John chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Nicodemus answered and said to him, This is Nicodemus. One of the Pharisees, how can these things be? Jesus had just talked about being born again. He's talking about spiritual things, and Nicodemus says, "I don't get it." And Jesus answered and said to him, "Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? You're the scholar, Nicodemus, of all the people who search for knowledge and search for my wisdom. You're the one that should have got it, but you didn't, and and you're." Jesus expected him to understand that. Are you a teacher and you don't understand these basic things that I'm trying to, you, I'm trying to share with you? James chapter 3 verse 1. My brethren, let, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Well, Wait a minute. I want equality. I want equity. Well, this is. I called you to be a teacher, which means I've equipped you to be a teacher. And if you don't do the work, if you don't study to show yourself approved and you decide to just wing it, you know, um, I'm going to hold you accountable for that. There's a stricter judgment. And beyond that, you read, you understood, you taught it, but you didn't live it, which is more than likely what he's talking about. How is that? How do you have such deep theological understanding of grace, mercy, you can explain it to other people, uh, you know, but you can't. Give it or receive it or live it. That's a big deal. You're going to have a stricter judgment. You're accountable for what you know. You're not accountable for what you don't know. And he tells us that. So Aaron and Moses, they were accountable for a lot. And so he's going to go on in verse 8 here. You answered them, these three people, O Lord our God, you were to them God who forgives. That was the name that they called them. God who forgives, though you took vengeance on their deeds, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. Well, when did he, when did he do that? And if you can think about these three guys, well, we know Moses, Moses misrepresented God to the people, didn't he? He smote the rock twice. First time he hit the rock, water came out for the people because God said so. That rock we learn later on in Hebrews was Jesus, represented Christ, right? And the rock was to be smitten once and out comes the water of, of life, right? Well, it was time again for them to be, have more drinks, but the Christ had already been hit or the rock had already been hit. Now, what do you do now that they're thirsty again? Now he says, I want you to speak to the rock to get that water. And Moses was so mad at the people that he hit the rock twice again to get the water to come out. He says, no, 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 no. You do not repeatedly crucify my Savior over and over and over again. That's not right. You misrepresent God to the people. He was crucified once for all. And now you speak and he gives. He's the counselor. He's the lover of your soul. He is your friend now. He's, he's, He's come alongside of you to help you. Okay. You can't do that twice. And because he misrepresented God, he wasn't able to go into the promised land. Moses did not let him cross over the Jordan, and he led the people for 40 years, but wasn't able to go over. So that would be what he's talking about. That's the vengeance. Look, I'm not going to let that slide. You can't can't do that. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. He says, you don't get to take that honor of taking them over to the promised land because you misrepresented me. What did Aaron do? Well, Aaron made the golden calf and a couple other things, but let's focus on the big one, right? Moses is up on top of the hill on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord, and Aaron's been left in charge, and he's only been gone for a month, you know? And the people already think Moses is dead. He's never coming back down again. We need to do something down here. We got to worship something. We can't sit on our hands. We hate waiting. And Aaron says, I don't know. Give me all your gold, and I'll make you a golden calf, and you can worship that. God holds him accountable for that. Um, so there's that vengeance for that. Samuel was an interesting one. Samuel, um, good guy, wonderful prophet, took the place of Eli. Eli had a problem with his two sons. Eli's sons weren't holy like Eli was holy. They had the position they were supposed to have as, a, as a, someone who represents God, but they took advantage of the people. Samuel had the same problem. His two boys did the same thing. And that was one of the things that, that happened. I'll, I'll give you the best example I could come up with. It's, it's these sins of presumption, all of them. Moses didn't seek the Lord, just decided to hit the rock anyway. Aaron didn't seek the Lord, just decided to make the calf. Samuel didn't take care of what he was supposed to be taking care of at home with his boys, whatever you, however you want to put that. Nathan is the one that is interesting to me. Nathan was so excited about serving alongside David, King David. David's the king. Nathan's the little prophet that comes into his life every now and then. I don't know how little he was, but I, I make him little. Um, it, 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 he, just wasn't a pro, he was a part of God's plan for David, but wasn't the main part of the story. And so Nathan comes in and out of David's life. David's excited, worshiping the Lord. He's the anointed of God. All these things are wonderful. David's at the peak of his you know, uh, relationship with God. He's now king, and he wants to build God a house. I want to do this wonderful thing. And Nathan, not thinking, not praying, not seeking the Lord, just said, do all that's in your heart, David. You are favored of God. Well, Nathan went to bed that night and God tapped on Nathan and said, I didn't tell you to say that. And in fact, I need you to go in and correct that because I don't want David to build my house. He can't. He's a man of blood. His son can build it, but he can't do it. You misspoke. You spoke out of turn. You made a presumptuous Uh, you know, uh, thought there and you followed through on it. And that's about the lightest rebuke I've ever read in the Bible. I mean, but, and yet still we have to be careful about that. When he's writing about all these things, we, we don't get the permission to just go do without talking to the Lord. It may be a noble thing to build a house for God. Why wouldn't you build a temple for God? Why wouldn't you? How could that be wrong? Well, I don't know. It isn't that it isn't a great idea. It isn't that it couldn't be God's will, but I don't know that it's God's will. So we step back and we pray about everything that we do. Not to the point of paralysis, don't get me wrong, but you pray and you seek the Lord earnestly and say, God, what do you want me to do? What's the right thing to do here? I think it would be great. I think having the Easter thing out here would be great, but I don't, we'll see if God wants to do that or not. What could possibly be wrong with telling people about the Lord? Nothing, nothing. But we don't know what that if God wants that, you know. And so we've got to pray about these things, everything. And so that's what he's getting at in six and seven. is these guys were, um, they start they were out of turn, and then he says, and I, "I held you accountable for that, even though you're the God who forgives. I still hold you accountable for your decisions." So exalt the Lord. And finally, Psalm one hundred: Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. First thing he wants us to do is sing joyfully to the Lord. Um, Some days that's harder than others, maybe because we attach joyfulness to happiness and things going our way. And so a joyful song doesn't necessarily come. I tell you from experience, and I think it's the same for all human beings. I'll make a presumption there, (laughs) but when you begin it doesn 't always have to be a joyful sound to start, but by the time you 're done, it usually is um, it takes time to get away from this world and its um impact on your life and the physical and the people and the attitudes and your attitude and all these things. It all has to be different because you're you, you're moving from this world, which is very hard and it 's it it can be a just drudge, you know, you know, to move over into the heavenly realm where you're actually, you're you're with the Lord and you're praying to him and you're talking to him and you, and you're thanking him for all that he's done for you. And slowly but surely this begins to fade away. And this becomes the reality, which is, which is reality. All this goes, you know, the only thing that's left is our souls and God, all of this, none of this is going to be forever. We know that. And so you move from doing what must be done while we're here to doing what you're going to be doing forever now while you're in this place and that moves your heart to that place of joy. And and the worse this is to be honest with you, the more joyful this song becomes. <laughs> you know, it's like, "Oh, this world, my hip hurts, my knee, I was complaining about my hip, my knee, and all these things. This general area doesn't work like it used to anymore. I don't know what it is." And then I threw a little piece of hay to the horses that were clear. poor crippled horse clear out there all the other horses are being mean and they're all eating their hay and she couldn't get to it so i take this hay and i threw it and i throw my shoulder out and i'm like oh, what is this trying to help some crippled horse over there and so i'm this is you know oh what a day but when you praise the lord you're like ah no more joint problems no more age, no more gray. Well, maybe they will be gray. God has white hair. So maybe there's a lot more gray and everybody's gray. That'll, that'll equal equity. Um, <laughs> bald guys are going, yeah, equity. Okay. We we need some hair here, <laughs> but it makes it joyful. It makes it more joyful. You know, the, whatever it is over here, that's, that's hard. The more you bring yourself into the presence of God and begin to sing, the more joyful it gets. And, uh, That's good. So he says, serve the Lord with gladness is the second thing. Shout for joy, but serve the Lord with gladness. And um, I'd like to demand that, you know, and I think in the past I probably have, you know, if you can't serve the Lord with joyfulness, then don't serve him at all. You know, we don't need any of that. Well, and I I think that's true in the sense that you need to get there, though. You know, we watch our Sunday school teachers carefully, very carefully. It's very important because you can pick up on that stuff. The little kids pick up on the attitude. They may be saying, Jesus loves me, but I'm pretty sure Mrs. So-and-so doesn't, you know, kind of thing. And and they pick up on that. And that's more important than actually the verse, John 3.16, is the attitude and the heart of the teacher that's sharing John 3.16. So we keep a close spiritual thermometer on all these teachers because we need to know, hey, you may be going through a bad season in your life and this would be better for you to set this teaching down for a while so that we don't do any damage to these kids' little hearts, you know. Better yet, straighten it out. Change the attitude. Get right with God. Figure out why you are in that place and why you feel like you can lash out at kids or, or, or Let it come out sideways into innocent people that have nothing to do with the problem that you're having and figure that out so that you can sing with joy, so that you can uh, serve the Lord with joy. So work through that. I don't, we don't want quitting all the time. I'm just quitting. I can't do it with joy. I'm out of here. Well, why don't we work on not quitting and let's work on getting that joy back is the idea. These things are just symptoms. I don't have joy in serving the Lord anymore why is that is the better question. Not should you quit or not? Every senior pastor's conference I go to, and I'm getting tired of it. They're never going to ask me to teach because they'd get hammered. I think I get so tired of the teachers saying, now guys, I know there's a bunch of you out there that want to quit. Don't quit. And I'd make that face because what are we? As people that are in the pulpit and in the team, oh, you know, and all more pastors quit every year. 50,000 pastors quit every year. Good. Get somebody in there that loves Jesus and loves people still and can deal with and work through so the people can watch that person work through life. And, and, and use Jesus and use their walk with God the way it's supposed to be. I have a hard thing that hit my life. What do I do with it? I don't leave Jesus and stop serving and turn into a hermit. I work through these things. You don't quit. So it's like, you know, you, and first of all, pastor, if you were called by God, you don't get to choose. You're called. It's not a job app, but you didn't apply. You know, I'm moving on to something else. I just can't do this work anymore. If you were called, you can't leave till you're uncalled. Sorry, that's the way it is. So work it out, figure it out. Pray, seek the Lord, find some help, find another brother in the Lord you can share with, you know, and ask Him to pray for you. Uh, whatever, our sister, whatever it is, work these things out is the is the answer. I'm not being insensitive. I just don't want you paralyzed and crippled your entire spiritual walk from that point on. If you can't serve the Lord with joy, figure out why that is, so that you can again. Okay, we don't want bitterness to set in, and it will. The second thing there, or third thing, joyful shouting, serve the Lord with joy. Know the Lord; He is God. It is He who made us, and not and not we ourselves know him. And I think that's the solution to most of our problems is we've either forgotten his attributes. We've forgotten his place in our life. He's lost his place in our lives. Know him. Remember that he's the God who's worthy to be served, that he's done everything, and that everything you do from here on out is uh, in response to his salvation and his love for you. You know, Um, these are important things. Know the Lord. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. There we are, sheep again. Because we follow him. It's not that we're stupid and we don't have minds of our own. It's just we trust him. We trust his voice. He always keeps us safe. He protects us and brings us to green grass and still waters. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. That's what we want to do. Get to that place where we're thanking the Lord. A new song, as as we sang earlier in 98. Be thankful to him and bless his name for he or for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations forever. His truth doesn't change. Truth doesn't change. You know, Um, two by two plus two equals four is a very simple equation. It's one of the first things we learn in math as kids and as human beings. And we don't think much of it after that. We get two apples. We find two other apples. We put them together. We count them out. We look at our fingers and we understand that's four. And that's just simple math. I don't think we realize how precise and perfect that is until you try to add all the other numbers to that. There's no other way to get four. You know, uh, what? Three plus one, I knew, and someone's going to say, I mean, three plus one, one plus three, you know, I, I, there's a lot of ways. What I'm saying is you can, you can put a, a five plus one there, you'll never get four, or six plus one. And you don't think about that until you have all the options that were out there to get four, and you only see one little one that works, or two, three plus one. For those of you who are literal and didn't understand my point. There it is, and it's, it's very focused. Only one equation works for that. Okay. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of us is different. You all look so different. Even twins look different, right? Every one of them. You can tell, you can tell them apart. Some of you can't, but if you're around them long enough, you can tell them apart. You can see they're, they're different. You're, you're, you're that specific. And God has some things to do that may be very similar to what other people are doing in this world, but it's not exactly the same. It's a little bit different because God needs that to cover too. That little extra change that you have over here that this person isn't doing, that's exactly what I need over there. I don't need you to look just like the other person. I need you to be, you know, three plus two. That's what I need you to do because I need five covered. and I need four plus two because I need six covered. Now the two's still there, so there's some similar. You get what I'm saying. That's what God's saying. Be thankful for what God has for you, what he's given you. Praise him for what you have, for what he's given you. Do with what he's, don't wish you were two plus two. Don't wish you were something else. Do exactly the way, do your life the way he's got it for you. I don't need another this or a different that or change this or that. Just do him, Jesus, be like Christ there where you are. That's his heart. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And thank you for these psalms who are, these psalmists are able to sing praises to you. Regardless. They're gonna they have a song for everything. They have a song for when they're at war. They have a song for when they're at peace, for when there's oppression, for when there's liberty, they have a song for all these things. But they're singing constantly to you. Their relationship to you is so real and, and very relevant to their, their life all the time. God, we, we have that and we thank you for that. That you're always ready for our song, you're always ready to listen and receive and be blessed by, as JC prayed. By our worship of you. And we do. We worship you this morning right where we are with what we have. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer before you go, uh, please uh, come up. Be glad to pray with you.